Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for August 9th, 2017. This is Peter Serretta, and on today's show, we'll stop by the water cooler to talk, talk about Ozark, Miller World, and Snack Hacks. In the news, we have a lot of TV news. We're going to be talking about DuckTales. We're going to be talking about 24, David Letterman's Return to Television, King of the Hill, Modern Family, a Christmas Story live TV musical, and uh, Stephen Colbert's Donald Trump series, along with some new film news. We're going to be talking about Avatar sequels and Star Wars The Last Jedi. And in the mailbag, we'll be attempting to answer the question of what television shows sh- or what movies should be turned into a TV series. Uh, on today's show with me, I have Ben Pearson. Hey, what's up? And Brad Oman. Hey there. Uh, let's just get right into the water cooler guys. Um, yesterday on yesterday's show, we were talking about how Netflix has purchased, purchased Miller world, which is Mark Miller's comic book label. And we, we, we talked a little bit about how they could use Miller's properties, comic book properties for TV and movies on the streaming platform. But one thing that didn't hit me until we got off there is they could do the opposite. I mean, there's a whole library of comic books that Miller World produces. 
Netflix could, uh, you know, release an app like for the iPad, kind of like, um, you know, Comicology and include it in your Netflix subscription because Netflix doesn't seem to care about selling anything. You know, they just seem to care about that subscription model, you know, include that you also get extra access to all the Miller World comics. Now, Ben, is that would that be something you would be interested in? Um, kind of. I think uh, if anything, Netflix would probably charge an you know add an, an additional charge for something like that. But I think for people who are sort of um, you know not already subscribed to services like the one you mentioned, Comicsology and other things like that, people who are I, I feel like it could be a good gateway for um, Netflix's broader audience, which is people who are just into watching streaming content as you know maybe as a bridge for them to transition into getting into the world of comics. So I, I think that would be an interesting way that they could, um, yeah, think outside the box a little bit. Yeah. It would definitely be another thing that would make that Netflix, you know, subscription price worth it each month. Um, another thing I want to talk about, speaking of Netflix, I've been watching the show Ozark. Has Have either of you been watching this? It's on my list, but I've not seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. Um, it, it is good. It's like... Breaking Bad meets Justified, if you've watched either of those shows. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't, you should just hang up on this call and start <laughs> watching those shows. But uh, Jason Bateman and Laura Linney plays his wife. They have a family, and they kind of get sucked into this mob deal where they have to mo- move to the Lake of the Ozarks and kind of um, launder money. Uh, so the, the, the tagline on the billboards in Los Angeles is it's their last resort, which I think is just great. Um, the first two episodes of the show, which I think are both directed by Bateman as well. The last two episodes I think are directed by Bateman too. I've only seen the first of the last two episodes. Uh, the first two episodes are amazing. So if, if at very least you should watch the first two episodes, it is, um, there are things that happen in these episodes that you're like, oh, I didn't think they would pay off on, on that until halfway through the season. And there's just um, it's very fast moving and it's it's very enjoyable. So I highly recommend that. Uh, ben, yesterday on the podcast, we talked about snack ta- snack hacks re- briefly. And you didn't mention your mom has a snack hack for movie yes. watching. What is yeah. it? Yeah, so yesterday we were talking about like improving the home theatrical experience and you were joking with Brad about snack hacks and after we got off the air I was like, "Oh, I think I might actually have one that's sort of a, a unique snack that I have not really heard anybody else talk about, but my mom makes it and it's pretty amazing." So it is basically popcorn with caramel and uh chocolate melted down, drizzled over the popcorn and uh fun-sized Twix bars crushed up and mixed into the whole thing. It is fantastic. Uh the problem is I talked to my mom about this yesterday after we hung up and she said that the recipe is incredibly complex. I mean it's not like undoable, but it's just a giant pain to make this thing. Yeah, but that, she said this, this isn't just throw some stuff in some popcorn and you're done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we if you want to, you can look in the show notes for this episode of the podcast. I have uh <laughs> I've transcribed the entire recipe, all the ingredients and everything. So it's very detailed. It's like you're making the caramel yourself with brown sugar and corn syrup and salt and stuff like that. So anyway, uh the whole point is it's delicious and 
And if any of you uh, dare to, you know, put the effort in, the time in to make this thing, you should definitely tweet at us with pictures and let us know if you think it was worth the effort. Because I have been on the receiving end of this. I've never made it myself, but I've I've been the beneficiary of my mom's uh, hard work making this. And it is uh, a truly fantastic um, movie watching snack. So. Uh, yeah, I would check that out. It sounds really interesting. I want to see this. So if any of you get out there make it, tweet it to at slash film or at slash film daily either. And um, yeah, we'll retweet it. Uh, let's jump into the news. Um, I think biggest of the news is de- uh, that basically James Cameron did an interview with Empire Magazine and he revealed that the Avatar villain- villains who were dead in the first movie, are returning for all four sequels, despite being dead. Um, basically, uh, James Cameron, here's, here's a quote from James Cameron. He, he's saying that both uh, the colonel, played by um, Stephen Lang, Stephen the great Lang, Stephen yeah. Lang, and the corporal, uh, Lyle, are both going to be re- returning. Uh, and this is the quote he gave to Empire. He said, The interesting conceit of the Avatar sequels is that it's pretty much the same characters. There are new characters in a lot of new settings and creatures. So I'm, I'm taking characters you know and putting them in unfamiliar places and moving them on this greater journey. But it's not a whole bunch of new characters every time. There's not a new villain each time, which is interesting. Same guy. Same mother effer. Uh, though he didn't say effer. Uh, through all four movies. He is good and he just gets better. I know Stephen Lang is going to knock this out of the park. Now, guys, one of these guys, I think, was crushed under the feet of a hammer ha- hammerhead uh, Titan something, whatever they call a it. A mech or something. Yeah. And Stephen Lang died. Uh, how how are these characters going to return in the av- in four Avatar sequels? Like it seems it seems like to me the only way you could do it is if these guys were clones of people on Earth coming back or maybe they have now be you know I mean we know Sigourney Weaver is coming back and spoiler alert she died too. Uh, she's now part of the, the, of, of Pandora itself. So maybe that their souls have been incorporated in Pandora. Do you, do you, do either of you have any ideas how this is going to work? I mean, part of me wonders if maybe since it's so far in the future that there is some kind of protocol where if you're going to Pandora, you leave behind some of your DNA just in case anything happens. And then like maybe by the time, you know, your that that stuff happens on Pandora or whatever. Like, there can be like an, a clone of you or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The only other thing is that maybe they they figure out how to um, they they have their own avatars now, since <laughs> you know that, that was something they were doing. So maybe they get their own um, you know bodies of Navi bodies. Yeah, that's sort of where I was thinking. I would I was thinking maybe they would because they died on Pandora. Maybe their souls became a part of the planet and then they were like sort of reincarnated as different creatures or something, but it's the same personality. It's the same soul. And so maybe Stephen Lang could be doing motion capture as a Navi or as some other creature, you know, trying to like exact his revenge on the people who killed him the first time around. I don't know. This sounds like basically that James Cameron just liked working with those people the first time around and bent the story 
to you know allow him to continue to work with them for the next few movies what, what are you talking about ben he had he had this a trilogy imagine before he made the first avatar he told <laughs> us all that just like you know george lucas had this nine series film uh, of films for star wars right, right. um moving on brad <laughs> you are a big fan of ducktales disney xd is rebooting ducktales what you, you didn't know this Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I've heard, Brad, that they're going to have a crossover finally with Darkwing, Darkwing Duck. I don't believe it. What do, you, what do, you, what do we know about this, Brad? Uh, yeah. I mean, so interestingly enough, this is something that came out of the DuckTales Comic-Con panel. Um, but the, there's so much crazy stuff going on at Comic-Con that there's usually a handful of news tidbits that kind of go under the radar until the dust has settled um, after we've all returned home and covered all the, the huge stuff. But so now that DuckTales is premiering this weekend, this story has kind of come out of the woodwork a little bit more. And it's the, apparently at some point during this new season of DuckTales, uh, they'll bring Darkwing Duck into the mix. I guess during the Comic-Con panel, uh, one of the co-producers and story editors was showing them a clip um, that was exclusively shown during the panel. And before he played the clip, he quote-unquote accidentally opened up a folder with some concept art from the show that showed their version of Darkwing Duck. And it also showed some of the other characters from Darkwing Duck that will apparently be in the series. Now, there was no explanation as to how Darkwing Duck... Was was that a real accident or was that like a, you know... That's why I said quote-unquote accidentally. Okay, because at Uh, Comic-Con, there was an accident where one of the guys from Lucasfilm had their desktop of their computer on screen for a minute, and I took a photo and tweeted it out, and I got yelled at by Disney. (laughs) I thought it was like, oh, look, there might be some Easter eggs in in the screen, you know? This was a legit thing that, like, they wanted to show people, and he just, like, pretended like it was an accident. Um, So, so yeah, so they, they haven't said how Darkwing Duck will be incorporated into the series. Um, but this is kind of a big deal because uh, just last year, it, people were kind of surprised to find out um, from the, one of the original DuckTales uh, creators or producers that DuckTales and Darkwing Duck don't actually exist in the same universe, despite the fact that they share the characters Launchpad McQuack and Gizmo Duck. Even though they share those characters, they each in, uh, exist in independent universes and never really crossed over. So this will be the first time that DuckTales has actually had a crossover with Darkwing Duck, which is which is pretty cool. Um, there was one theory that was proposed was that maybe Darkwing Duck might not exist exactly in this universe, but maybe there's like a comic book or a TV show that Huey, Dewey, and Louie watch or something like that. But I feel like since they have the concept art for Darkwing Duck and some of the other characters, that they'll likely cross paths with them at some point. That'd be cool. I almost want to see that as a movie and not on the show itself. But, that would be uh, pretty cool. Guys, we have some late-breaking news here. We're, we're recording this on you know, 1.45 p.m. Pacific time on August 8th on Tuesday afternoon. Disney has announced, I think during their earning calls, that they're going to pull their movies from Netflix and launch a streaming service. Um, they're going to launch it in 2019. They're also launching an ESPN streaming service early next year. Uh, so basically they're going to be taking on Netflix and Amazon on, you know, going with the Disney brand, you know, you'd be paying a subscription. I'm, I'm sure you'd probably be getting access to all the like Disney XD shows and Disney movies and probably the entire Disney vault, uh, 
what do you guys make of this, Ben? Wow, um, I'm a little caught off guard by this. I, you know, Disney just announced a big deal with Netflix. To it seems like it wasn't that long ago where they were like, oh yeah, all of our animated classics are going there. The ones that aren't, you know, locked up in the Disney Vault anyway. But um, I guess this makes sense because. I mean, Disney is like the biggest power player in Hollywood. So that's not too surprising that they would want to keep everything as uh, as streamlined and sort of like directing everyone's attention straight to the Disney brand as much as possible. So uh, I don't know. There are so many Disney fanatics out there. Uh, Peter, I think you're one of them that I think yeah. this would this is probably something that will go over pretty well. Well, D- Disney's one of those rare b- brands that, you know, is all encompassed. Like, you know, it has Marvel, Star Wars, uh, Pixar, Dis- Disney Animation, Disney Live Act. You know, it, it, it has enough in it that I don't think like, you know, a company like Paramount or Fox could do this. Like they don't have enough franchises and enough content i think overall disney you know brad what do you think of this uh i'm just frustrated more than anything like (laughs) honestly i'm really getting annoyed at all these separate subscription services that i have to pay for and or keep organized uh you know apple tv kind of helps with that because they have their tv and movie apps which kind of allow they uh bring together as much of the streaming content that's available through the apps available on the Apple TV into one place as they can. Yeah. But it's, but it's still, you know, to keep track of all the different subscriptions and like what I have at my disposal can be really frustrating. And I like that, you know, a lot of these Disney movies were available at Netflix. Not only did it add value to the Netflix subscription, but it also just made it easier for me to watch, you know, some of these movies over and over again that I hadn't necessarily bought yet. I guess the silver lining for now is that it looks like, they won't stop giving Netflix their movies and they won't pull them until 2019 because that's when their deal yeah, ends. It, it seems like, yeah, their deal is through 2019. The, yeah, so we've got about a year and a half to enjoy those Disney movies before they pull the plug, I guess. I wonder if they're going to stick to having their TV shows in Hulu because ABC is one of the partners of Hulu as well. I actually just thought of something. Uh, if Disney is starting their own streaming service, I have a strong feeling that they're going to pull a CBS All Access on us, and they're going to introduce the first live-action Star Wars series through their own subscription service, the same way that CBS is doing with Star Trek Discovery. Yep. Wow. You are are right. That is the way to get everybody to subscribe to this new service. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, as as mad as I am to have to subscribe to yet another service, if there's a live action Star Wars TV series, you can bet your ass that I'm going to pay whatever it costs to be able to oh, watch. Man, those bastards! They're gonna have everybody over a barrel. <laughs> but that that remains to be seen. Where you know the news just hit the wires, and I just wanted to talk about it here. But let's move on. Uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi will likely introduce a mega star destroyer. Ben, what do we know about this? Yeah, moving over into another Disney property. So um, recently we found out that uh, Adam Driver's Kylo Ren is getting a new ship called the TIE Silencer. And now it seems like uh, Supreme Leader Snoke may be getting his own ship as well. There was a leaked image of a list of toys that is uh, set to be released on September 1st which is the next Force Friday event for Disney selling Star Wars merchandise. And one of the items on this leaked toy list is called BB-8 Mega Star Destroyer, parentheses, with Supreme Leader Snoke and Elite Praetorian Guard. So 
there aren't any photos of this item yet, but it's worth maybe considering what sort of ship this could be. There are a ton of different classes and classifications of Star Destroyers in Star Wars. Uh, the Imperial Star Destroyer is the the primary one that sort of instantly comes to mind when you think about it, but there are a bunch of different ones um, yeah, that have you know, shown up. You have a whole listing, I think, in your article <clears throat> on Slash Film. They introduced yeah. a new one in Force Awakens, which was supposedly, I think, like 50% bigger than the previous one, but you couldn't really tell because... You know, there's nothing sized comparatively against right. it in, in space. So I wonder how they're going to make this different than any of those. Yeah. Um, and then, like, also Andy Serkis's villain, you know, he's motion captured, but he might be in motion in The Last Jedi. This might speak to if if, in fact, uh, this mega star destroyer is actually associated with snoke then maybe snoke is on the move in the last jedi we're still it's still very mysterious about what his um you know what his mission is in the new film and then how bb-8 fits in with that same vehicle with that same starship i guess is also a big mystery like what the hell is going what why is bb-8 in the same place as snoke what is going on there uh obviously bb-8 is snoke (laughs) duh Uh, In in Star Wars Force Awakens, the art of book, J.J. Abrams was playing around with the concept of doing these red ships, and one of them, I think, was a Star Destroyer that was red, and it was pretty cool looking. I I hope that that idea doesn't get completely abandoned. Maybe it it could be reused in uh, Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, I hope that the Mega Star Destroyer is a Star Destroyer that's formed by five other Star Destroyers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Going on right now in Los Angeles is the Television Critics Association, which basically all the studios, you know, show off their wares for the press who are in that Critics Association. So there's a lot of television news going on, and we're gonna, we're about to dive into that. Uh, one of the pieces of news is that 24 is not dead, even though they, you know, launched that 24 revival without Jack Bauer that wasn't very good and, you know, wasn't you know, highly watched. Uh, they're, they're moving on with this franchise. And basically, they, they're they saying that they're going to move on with entirely a, a, a season of entirely new characters. And it will probably not be set in CTU uh, American Counterintelligence. So, um, so basically, like, you know, it, it seems like they're going to just basically take the idea of having a series set in a 24 hour period, like, you know, as some kind of action, uh, uh, thriller kind of setup, um, and put it someplace else. I mean, you could essentially put, you know, it with regular people in a, you know, terror attack on this country or maybe an alien attack, you know, you could do anything (laughs) with it. Uh, are either of you fans of 24? I stopped watching um, after like season six or something like that. I think yeah. as soon as it it got to I don't know it just got too ridiculous. I think for me to really take it seriously anymore. Um, and then also come the on, show that's part being, of the fun of it is how ridiculous eh, it is. Eh, you see it as fun. I see it as it, this show sort of losing its way. But I think also the idea of of condensing a twenty four episode season into a twelve episode season, which they did in some of the later years. Um, sort of loses the magic of the whole thing and the idea that they won't involve the future uh, future installment of 24 won't involve ctu is sort of i feel like mixed feelings about that because i feel like that's 
you know, there's always a mole in CTU. That's like one of the hallmarks of 24 as a show. So well, there, removing there, there, that. There could still be a mole in this other situation. It just might not be. It could be a police force. It could be, you know. Yeah. No? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm probably not going to watch this. But uh, but I'm sure there are some diehard 24 fans out there who uh, have been, you know, not as pleased with uh, some of the later seasons. And it could bounce back. It's one of those things that the name brand is so strong. And like you said, there are potential uh, possibilities to to take it in a whole different direction. Um, I'm not ready to completely write it off yet, but they're going to have to earn their way back for me. Brad, you're a big fan of the late night television and comedy. Uh, David Letterman left the late show and everybody said, you know, he was going to be regretting it. He'd want to come back. You know, he can't just sit at home and play with his kid. Uh, now we've learned that he's coming back for a new Netflix series. What do we know about it? Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, any good comedian will tell you that it's hard to stay away from the spotlight when you've been in it for so long, if only because you just, you're always, you know, thinking on that comedian mindset and, you know, you want to entertain and getting laughs is kind of like, you know, it, it's a drug in a way. It's addicting. You want to, you want to keep people laughing and entertained. So he's coming back with a Netflix series that um, doesn't have a title yet and it doesn't necessarily have like a, a clear format, but they, the press release said that, it will have him doing two of the things that he does best, which will be an extended interview with some kind of person. It won't necessarily be like a famous celebrity like it was on The Late Show, but it'll be somebody of note. And it will be a single guest for an extended interview period. Uh, and then the other part of the show will feature him doing some of the uh, segments that he used to do on The Late Show where he would go travel around to different parts of the city or, you know, restaurants or you just kind of like – um, little documentary features, if you will, with Letterman bringing his quick wit to real life situations, talking to real people, uh, different places around the world, that kind of thing. So, so is this going to be a thing where they it's broadcast on late nights, like live on Netflix? Uh, I didn't say anything about being live, it, it, and it's only six episodes, so I don't think it's going to be anything along the lines of where he has he has a weekly schedule or anything like that. It sounds like it'll be just more of a like a series of isolated like comedy specials if you will um so yeah i don't I don't think it'll have an audience or anything like that but it, it didn't really say in the press release uh, how that would work so i'm not i'm not entirely sure it sounds like they're still figuring out some of the details hmm uh moving on in other television news fox is exploring more king of the hill with mike judge ben what do we know about this yeah, so Dana Walden, the chairman and CEO of the Fox Television Group, said at the TCAs that they have had preliminary conversations with Greg Daniels and Mike Judge, who are the creators of King of the Hill. Uh, she said, I would like to explore that. We've had a very pre preliminary conversation given what's going on in the country. I think they had a point of view about how those characters would respond. Again, it was one meeting, and I hope to revisit it. So it sounds like uh, this is just very, very early talks. Um, but Judge and uh, Daniels are both interested in pursuing this and uh, potentially, you know, resurrecting the show uh it ran from 1997 to 2010 on sunday nights on fox so it's been off the air for yeah seven years at this point but uh it sounds like the trump administration has been uh, enough to get them uh, thinking about the possibility of more king of the hill and how those characters would react it would be interesting because they would actually have to recast some of the characters some of the uh wasn't uh Brittany murphy was one of the lead characters in, in that show 
Oh, so, yeah. That's um, right. So I wonder what they're going to do, um, how they would handle that situation. Um, moving on to more TV news, Modern Family looks like it will likely end at the end of its 10th season. It's a popular comedy. Brad, you're the comedy guy. What do we know about this? Yeah, uh, earlier this May, ABC renewed Modern Family for two more seasons, and that'll take it up to season 10. Uh, and creator and executive producer Steve Levitan was speaking to uh, reporters at the Television Critics Association, and he indicated that um, if they're asked to do more beyond season 10, that they wouldn't be opposed to it. But as of now, he's uh, looking at the 10th season being the final season, and they're already having discussions about how they you know want to end the series when when it comes down to it and for me uh, honestly i'm i'm kind of a modern family apologist um the <laughs> this the show was a huge hit when it first debuted and the first four or five seasons were fantastic i mean it won uh outstanding comedy series five uh five times so it's definitely revered it has a huge audience but in its recent years it started to turn more gimmicky and feel like more of a traditional network sitcom than having some of the cleverness that made the first few seasons so great. Um, I still like it. I still enjoy the characters, but it's just, it's, I think it's started to starting to get backlash from critics and, and even from some of the viewers who are just, you know, bored of the same thing. They, they've, they've kind of started to run out of storylines for these two families uh, to, get into and they've started to get a little bit ridiculous so i think ending the series is smart um i kind of wish it would have come sooner but you know 10 seasons is a nice round number i suppose yeah i agree it seems like they've worn out their welcome um moving on something i'm looking forward to i don't usually look forward to these live tv musicals but the producer uh, producer and writers behind La La Land are working on a live TV musical starring Maya Rudolph. And it's going to be an adaptation of a Christmas story. That's right. A musical adaptation of a Christmas story live on television. Uh, ben, what do we know about this? Yeah, so it's actually based on a 2012 Broadway musical, and then they're just basically porting that whole production over into the live TV format that we've seen in recent years with things like, um, you know, The Sound of Music and Peter Pan Live and The Wiz Live and all that stuff. So those were NBC. Uh, this is going to be on Fox. And uh, Maya Rudolph is going to be playing Ralphie's mom, the role originated by Melinda Dillon in the movie. And uh, Rudolph, of course, was an SNL vet. And she uh, actually last Christmas, I think it was last Christmas, maybe 2014. I'm not sure. But anyway, one of the recent Christmases during uh, Netflix released this A Very Murray Christmas, this Bill Murray. Yeah, Christmas I think that might special. have been two Christmases ago at this point. OK, I think. yeah. And and Maya Rudolph was like one of the the special guests on there and she sang a duet um, on there. So, I mean, she clearly has like musical talent and live TV experience. So I think she's a pretty great choice to, uh, you know, slide into one of these key roles here. So it remains to be seen who else is going to be cast in this. But obviously A Christmas Story is like one of the the key American Christmas movies that's like played all the time on, you know, movie marathons every year and all that stuff. So I think a lot of people will probably be interested in seeing uh, a slight uh, twist on 
the beloved property that they know with uh yeah a big name like Maya Rudolph leading the charge yeah I've wanted to see this Broadway production of A Christmas Story uh since it was announced a few years back and I guess this will be my chance but I've never quite gotten the concept of live tv musicals because for me live tv like SNL or whatnot is I want to see you know something happen that in the moment either a mess up or some kind of magical, you know, mm-hmm. thing that's unexpected. And I feel like for a musical, I just want to see, you know, the best version of that musical. Why not just film it with multiple cameras? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why do it live? But uh, I think it's all about the social media engagement and, like, getting people to uh, to tune in. That seems to – because, like, I think The Sound of Music was one of the ones in uh, – a few years ago when that really, you know, took off on social. It got yeah. all these networks going like, oh, God, wow, we need to capitalize on this. We can do – you know, we can get a lot of these people – we can get a lot of eyes on our network, basically. So I think that's really the whole thing. It, it's being reverse engineered from that, I'm guessing. See what they should do is they should do one of a Chris uh, of um oh my god uh what's the 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 with Scrooge and um Scrooged oh a Christmas Carol a Christmas Carol yes they should do a live adaptation of a Christmas Carol and then on another network do a live adaptation of Scrooged at the same time that is intersecting <laughs> with it interesting okay that's actually, that's actually a really fun idea <laughs> it, it'll never happen but they should do it uh. Brad, Stephen Colbert is doing this animated Donald Trump series, uh, animated and political. It's usually not the best combination. You know, South Park does it well because they, you know, write their show the week before it airs. How How is this show going to keep up with the topical conversation? Yeah, well, I mean, even South Park had trouble with, uh, figuring out how to lampoon Donald Trump and uh, his administration simply because it's kind of hard to make a joke out of something that's a huge joke already. <laughs> um, you know, SNL struggled with it, too. But uh, the what they're going to do with this Donald Trump series, because obviously animated shows, with the exception of South Park, take a long time to get together. Um, but what they're going to do is they're going to reserve roughly five minutes of each episode so that they can have a section of the show that is more topical and based on the events that are closer happening around the time that the episode airs. So that will give them time to build most of the episode that will air on TV before then. And then they'll have like a last minute portion of that that will be dedicated to the more topical events. And as we've seen every single day, uh, there's something new and crazy making headlines from the Trump administration. So there will be no shortage of topics that can be used for this series. I think this is a little bit weird because I feel like I'd be watching the episode waiting for the scene. That's like, just right. Like feels like it's inserted to, you know, keep up with the topical conversation. And I know you could probably actually like insert jokes in each thing, you know, like it doesn't have to be one scene. You could insert it throughout the, the show, but if it just feels like it wouldn't work in actuality, even though it works in theory. We'll I think uh, John Stewart was supposed to have like a, a topical um, show, re- like an animated show recently. And I think he just ended up having to scrap that project altogether because he couldn't find a way into it. So it sounds like Colbert has found a way yeah. to do it, but we'll see if it's successful. Well, guys, let's jump into the mailbag 
every day we answer a question sent in by you, the listeners, to submit a question to the mailbag. Send them to peter at slashfilm.com. Please mention your name, general geographic location, in case we mention it on the air. On today's question, Jacob C. asks, what movie would you like to see turned be turned into a television show? I will start this off. Uh, when I when I was thinking about this question, I was first thinking Die Hard. I think a like you know ten or thirteen episode series, adapting uh, adapting you know that first Die Hard movie, could actually be very cool. And I maybe it's too close to twenty four, but it could be kind of close quarters in one building or, a, you know a Vegas resort or a theme. You know it could be like. That so it's not like world at stakes. It's you know smaller stakes and more personal. I think that could be interesting on the small screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I was thinking of is there was this Gwyneth Paltrow movie, Sliding Doors, which isn't good, but uh, the whole conceit of the show was I think she was getting she was I'm not even sure. I mean, it's show uh, the whole conceit of the movie was, and I, I believe this is a conceit because I'm not sure if I've actually seen the full movie was that she made it she barely made it onto the train that morning to get the work like you know the doors closed on the subway she barely made it and it, at that moment in the movie it shows what would have happened if she didn't make it so it shows two parallel versions of her life with basically just one change and it's alternating between what is going on between those two different versions. I think that could be interesting in a, a television drama. Uh, there was that um, show, I think, Awake. Which Oh, my God. I love that show. Yeah, uh, where he kind of was dreaming or not dreaming. And there was two different realities. And some of the ideas in one reality were kind of giving the viewer in him uh, things to think about in the other reality. And I think you could do that same kind of thing here. Uh, but I'm not sure if we're looking for a sliding doors television show, but I think it would be a cool idea. And my third option is the, the, uh, Tom Hanks comedy, uh, the burbs. I think, uh, that could be a fun season of television with, uh, kind of like, you know, this crazy family moves next door and the shenanigans and adventures that, kind of like these suburban uh, family and friends go on kind of investigating what the weirdness is going on in the neighborhood. What do you guys think of these ideas? Yeah, I like them. I think uh, I I do. I think the Die Hard in particular, just adapt that first movie into, uh, you know, stretch everything out. Um, You know, don't add any more story to it, but just build those relationships even further. I think that would be a, a pretty cool show. And then call it 24. <laughs> uh, but d- definitely don't do 24 episodes of it because that is stretching it too thin. Uh, ben, what do you have for your ideas? Yeah, a couple of quick ones. Um, the Rocketeer is a movie that I love that I think would be really cool to see as a TV show. I think you could basically retell the story of the movie and then also have maybe the further adventures of cliff secord with a rocket strapped to his back um that was a really great film that sort of didn't get its due at the time because it fell in the shadow of a lot of bigger movies i think it came out the same weekend as terminator 2 um that was supposed to be like disney's big like indiana jones-esque franchise launcher and it just sort of never went anywhere but i've always loved that movie and and thought uh that the design and the time period and stuff were 
ripe for uh for further storytelling so tv might be cool um inception christopher nolan's inception i think has uh, there's a lot of potential for a show set in that world because you could basically the the concept of you know dream heists it doesn't even have to involve leonardo dicaprio or any of the characters that we've seen in the movie it could just be other people who know how to do that and then it could be a different heist in every episode, you know, going into a different subject, trying to achieve a different goal. Um, and that could be so you're, sort of you're, a... you're thinking like the CBS version of this, where each episode is a, a different dream heist. It's like an episodic kind of thing. Yeah. And, or maybe, um, yeah, it definitely has episodic potential. And then maybe also you could play with like uh, a larger mystery or something, you know, toy with that and, and drop some clues across the whole season. Um, but yeah, that one definitely has more of like a, a network potential, I think, um, and sort see, of a traditional See, I, I, I would watch that if it wasn't network, if it was like HBO or AB, AMC and it was showrun by like Jonathan Nolan. I think. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a bunch of different ways you could go with it. But I think as far as like uh, and yeah, I would obviously like to see that version more than a network version. But I think, um, you know, it, if it Nolan fits. gave up the rights or however that worked, yeah, it, it would be a good fit. And then uh, the last one I think would be Sin City. Um, that's a, a movie that I think was made for relatively cheap. It's all shot on green screen. And I think, you know, if you get the right studio behind it or the right production company behind it, hell, even Robert Rodriguez could do it. Um, that could be something that's really great for like an anthology type of show where you follow a group of characters for, I don't know, like a six episode season or something. And then, have a whole different set of characters and that way you could draw in, you know, huge name actors for a very small time commitment and continue to build out that world of Sin City, which even though I didn't really love the most recent movie, I'm still a sucker for like that hard boiled dialogue and the the noir kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, obviously stylistically, it's like very unique and, and sort of an incredible looking um uh, property so uh the idea that uh there's more story to tell in the world of sin city does not seem too crazy to me so the idea of uh of porting that over to tv uh could work pretty well oh yeah and the comics themselves are anthology stories so i think it, it could definitely work well in that kind of format mm -hmm. brad what do you have for us mm, i want to see since none of you guys apparently are cool with you know turning comedies hey, uh hey, I, pick, I picked the burbs brad You're yeah not but that's not that's, that's not like a regular uh you know just like just don't, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh no i want to see uh, what we do in the shadows tv series now i know that there is a new zealand tv series that is uh, a spin-off of what we do in the shadows it's supposed to focus on the cops that we meet uh in that movie but i just want to see a tv show Focus, uh, Flight of the Concord style, focusing on the same roommates from what we do in the shadows uh, and just see it play out more. Or, or even an entirely different group of vampires that lives some, somewhere else in New Zealand. I think there's a huge opportunity to make a new mockumentary series, you know, a la The Office or uh, Parks and Recreation, what have you, and just, you know, expand the world of what we do in the shadows and keep it going in a different format. I would love to see that. I think that's actually a very good idea, and it could be shot on a very cheap budget, obviously, because it looks like yeah, a sure. mockumentary. Um, and then another thing that I would like to see happen is I would like to see a Harry Potter TV series of some kind. Um, nothing that is 
necessarily directly tied in with the events that we saw in the film franchise or Fantastic Beasts. But I would like to see almost like a wizarding crime procedural where we follow Orr's tracking down crazy wizards who are maybe like basically kind of like law and order, uh, you know, wizarding world unit or something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, you know, because I'm sure that I'm sure Voldemort is the worst, darkest wizard that, you know, they've, they've ever seen over the, in the magical community. But there has to be like serial killers and insane people. And just people causing all sorts of problems, you know. I mean, look at our own world. We have plenty of, you know, jerks who are always committing crimes and stuff like that. And I would like to kind of see that Law and Order style transferred to the Wizarding world and see how that would work. So, so you don't want to go? You want to go out of the school and into the the real world? Yeah, exactly. I want to. I want to. If there's one thing that I love about Harry Potter, it's the how rich the mythology and the world is and i think that there's a, a great opportunity to really dig into it and show a different side that we haven't seen that isn't linked to any of the characters that we know from the harry potter franchise see i think that could be really good but i don't think jk rowling would allow the creative control you know it would would you know, she has her clutches on the creative control oh, no, of sure. that yeah, franchise. I mean, I mean yeah, and, she would have to be involved in it or something. But I'm just saying that I think that would be awesome. So so much so that like uh, the the uh, Universal creatives that worked on the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, like you know, had so many supposedly had so many battles with her that the London entrance to Diagon Alley, there's like this record store with a bunch of records that have like some inside jokes to them. But one of the records is Joe says no. Because ah. in reference to JK's, uh, you know, constant nose. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Actually, and, and you know what the show would be called? It would be called Law and Horror. <laughs> okay. See, if, 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 this, if this was a podcast that took a title for the a line in the podcast, that would be it. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Law and Horror. Uh, no, and then the third idea, um, and this is technically something that was already a TV show, but not in the way that I'm thinking is uh, men in black. The franchise for now is dead. There wait, was wait, one men in black was a TV show. It was animated, right? Yeah. yeah oh, it, was animated. Animated. it was like one of those Saturday morning cartoon styles, kind of like in the same vein of real ghostbusters and stuff like that. Beetlejuice and all that. Yeah, exactly. And it was around the time that men in black was extremely popular, like the late nineties, early two thousands. But I would like to see a live action attempt so you know uh, a cable company with a budget preferably someone like uh hbo um maybe stars it, it could even work on fx at this point they, they're doing good work with shows like legion and things like that but you know i think they need a budget to do justice to the aliens effects and things like that but again it's another property where you could create a procedural show out of it uh, but still have some kind of overarching serial storyline I think nice. almost all the ideas that we have said in this mailbag segment could actually be good television shows if done right. But um, would they have would would they do a Men in Black show right? I'm not sure. Um, again, if you want to submit questions to the mailbag, Peter at slashfilm.com. Uh, you can find more of all of this at slashfilm.com. Please head over to iTunes, give us a review, rate us. That helps us out a lot. And also share this with your friends because we're always looking for more listeners. Uh, we will see you next time on Slash Home Daily.